You're listening to What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? Conversations in writing, art, and creativity. Today's episode is brought to you by my debut collection of true stories, A Paper Orchestra, available in print, ebook, and audiobook. To purchase and to support me and this podcast, please visit michaeljammin.com slash book. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jammin, and you're listening to What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? Well, today we're doing another Q&A from, I, I host these free writing webinars, and there's a lot of questions that people got uh, had. We couldn't answer them all in the end because we ran out of time, and so we're going to address them here. But this episode, Phil, I'm here with Phil Hudson. What up? Phil, today's episode is brought to you by A Paper Orchestra, which is my collection of personal essays. It's David Sedaris meets Neil Simon. On sale on my website, michaeljammin.com, or you can find it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, all those places. Uh, go get it. Go check it out. It's a fun read. Yeah. Okay. Uh, worth, worth checking out all the versions, though, too. I was just listening to the audio book, and it's, uh, we talked about this in your episode about the book itself, but the, the music cues and yeah. the intros, like, very well done. Very well produced. Yeah. You're also telling Thank me you, about Phil. how hellacious of a process it was to do it. To the, <laughs> it really to the quality was. you like so yes it because you only get to put it out once but but yeah but thank you so yeah. phil got to the audiobook but it's available in ebook and and print as well however you consume your written materials love it all right phil we got some questions yes. Enough about me let's yeah. ask me some questions <laughs> yeah let's let's talk to you some more about you yeah um <laughs> this is from the november 18th webinar uh these are like you said q a stuff and the topic of this webinar was how professional screenwriters create great characters this was, I think, a first run on this topic. You hadn't, hadn't done this topic before. It could be, yeah. I, this was a good one. I think, yeah, this was this turned out to be a good one. I yeah. thought. I, th I think so too. We can tell. There's some metrics we can tell in terms of how long people stay, questions that are asked, how long it goes. And I was going to say too, we didn't get to these questions because um, typically when we first started doing this almost a year ago, February will be you know a year doing these. It was like 30 minutes of lesson, and then it was like a bunch of Q and A. And that has transitioned into about 45 minutes of yeah. lesson and then a little bit of Q&A where we can get it. And then we even have VIP Q&A now where you can just pay a small fee to join for like an hour after and you just talk to people on Zoom and they get to go live and ask you questions and some really, really good questions being asked in that. So if you're interested in attending these webinars, go to michaeljammin.com slash webinar where you can sign up for that. But then um, you can also sign up on that page to get into the VIP if you want to ask Michael right. directly a question that you have if you can't get right. to it. Right. So the, to be clear, the webinars are always free. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to spend extra time with me, that costs you something. But I should also say, uh, right now we have, uh, it seems like we have like four that we're, that we're going to have a rotation, but uh, we may keep adding to different topics. But right now we have, really, we have four good ones. So if you missed it, just sign up and maybe you'll get to, we'll, we'll do it again. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think some of the topics we've come, you've come up with have come from the Q and a that you do on these topics. Like how do I overcome writer's mm -hmm. block or like, you yeah, know, I'm really struggling with like a character development. So they kind of incept the idea of like, okay, here's a topic we should go down. So lots of great value there. Um, all right. Well, again, just for housekeeping, we do split these up into topics. So we have kind of general topics. We have craft breaking in, questions related to your course or the webinar topic, and then miscellaneous. Uh, so we're going to start with craft. I think, again, people want to know how to do the job, which I think is helpful. Yes. So, so Chad, Chad Simey, 
or Sime. I don't know how to pronounce that. Sorry, Chad. He doesn't. He doesn't know either. He probably he's probably making it up. Was it like Pelletieri, one of the writers on Tacoma yeah. Tea? Like they repronounced their name because it was like changed at one point? Yeah. He says his own name wrong. Poor yeah. guy. I know someone who was a Heinrich, and then when World War II happened, they changed it to Heinrich, Henrich, yeah. Henrich, because yeah. they didn't want to be associated. Yeah. 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 Okay, there you go. Uh, Chad asks, do you have examples of writers who have successfully experimented with story structure? What principles did they stick to, and where did they deviate? I don't really know. I mean, I, I mean... Um, I don't really know if I have a good answer to that. Every time I watch something, I go, oh, it falls into the good. Like, I guess there's some really high level writing. Like, okay, Christopher Nolan. Okay, so he, I don't, I wouldn't say, I would say many of his movies do not fit, uh, what I would, what I would teach, like, you know, Memento. Like, but forget, I, I mean, I, I, or Inception. I don't know how many times I've watched it and I still don't understand it. Mm. So it's a great movie, though. Yeah, but I would say that I can see the clearly the writing structure in those. Who can? Okay. Oh, yeah. Like, you're definitely an exception, too. It's like, how do we get on this journey and how are we making decisions and where this sticks? Mm. Like, all that stuff. Like, I think it's all a lot of the a lot of it playing with the timeline, like Memento when he's playing with it. Like, like I don't even know what year is supposed to be. <laughs> but I, you're right. But I wonder if that's like, it's all there mm-hmm. and it's just been split to change and mess with your head a bit. But it's all there, which is it's why possible. it resonates with people. But I, I guess my advice is like, listen, if you want to operate at the high level, that's great. But let's just get to the professional level first before you become the master level. Yeah. And Christopher you know? Nolan's a great example of that because he had made a feature before he did Memento. Uh-huh. So yeah. he had a full feature. He was making short films all the time in film school before he even started experimenting with timelines and things like that. So Yeah. Okay. Listen to me just arguing with Michael Jammin on his own podcast. Well, I don't, what do I know? I, you might be right. Maybe my head did get big. Kevin and Steve. <laughs> All right. Marianne wants to know, you have such a great understanding of human nature. Was there something you've always been good at or did you develop it as a writer? No, I, I didn't. I have a very low emotional IQ. My parents are great people. Well, great parents, but terrible, low emotional IQs for themselves. <laughs> Just because that's, what the, that's the household they grew up in. Uh, and so... Uh, it's not a knock on them. It's just like you, this is the product of, you know, your parents. Cause this is what, you know, this is how they communicate. Um, and so a lot of this, I learned again from my wife, just from being with her. And, and then the rest of it, of course, I learned as, as I became, as I became a writer, because your job, that's your job as to writer is, is to really understand people and to, uh, get into their shoes. And one of the, it's so funny. Uh, I, I've, I've spoken about this in the past, but my first writing teacher was a guy who really wanted everyone to be in psychoanalysis. That's what he called it because he was so old. They don't even call it like that anymore. It's psychotherapy, right? But it's, but he thought you had to, every writer has to be in psychoanalysis because if you don't understand yourself, how could you possibly understand someone else and you're or a character? And I think he's, I think he's absolutely right. I didn't want to believe he was right, but he is right. If you don't understand yourself, and most people do not, and we know this because they go through life unconscious of the people, of, 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 the, of the damage they're leaving, of the people they're hurting, because they're just not even aware of it. And, and you see it all the time. You, you could see it on social media, people saying really mean things. It's like, you might even be a good person, but why would you put that in print? Why would you, like, what is wrong with you that you would say that? Like, what part of yourself is so wounded that you think you need to say this in writing. Uh, and so I appreciate the compliment, 
but um, you know, like everyone else, I'm a work in progress, and and I think writing definitely has helped me. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Albert Klein wants to know, and this is again contextual here. These are people who are live chatting questions throughout this episode yeah. or this webinar. But I said relatability is key in full caps. I think it's what you're talking about with the characters. Like, do these characters need to be relatable? Do I need to understand who they yeah. are? Yeah. Yeah. And and it's the same thing with like Tony Soprano. Like what, how do we relate to a mobster? I, I don't. And he's probably a sociopath as well. But what I, what we can relate uh, is the fact that we know what it's like to be a boss. Uh, maybe, maybe, you know, what it's like to be a boss, to have people undermining you, your underlings. And he certainly had those problems. We know what it's like to be a father and to have children that are rebellious or whatever. That's the part we relate to with Tony. Tony. So we don't relate to the part where he's going to whack somebody because he's late with a whatever. Um, but we do relate to this, to those other issues, which is you know anxiety, you, the stress anxiety. of family life, his psycho his psychotic mother, yeah. like, and that's what the show is about. It's not crazy about in laws. He deals with his in laws too. Joey Pants, I think, is his, his brother in law or something, right? I don't remember what he yeah, was. Yeah. Anyway, but, it's all it's all relatable because you had you are it's just an, a heightened version of what yeah you go through. His job is a little more interesting than our job, but it's but it's all you know. That's not what it's about. It's not about the mafia. It's about the the, the emotions or the you know that we all relate to. So, great answer, uh, Rake Vid. So, do you find the anti-hero more interesting than a traditional hero? Anti-hero is not even a term I use. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I think everyone, your hero has to be likable. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm off. I'm out of. I'm. You've. I can't even say. I've lost interest. If your character is so unlikable, I don't really care what happens to him or her. I, I'm out. So, this notion of anti-hero, I don't. Don't even think of your writing that way. You're. You're. You have a hero. I think anti-hero is just one of these terms that. I don't yeah. know. Right. Uh, expert writers will tell you it's an anti-hero. Uh, what? Yeah, people say that. Like people have said that the whole time I've since I've said I've wanted to study screenwriting or be a be a writer publicly. I said, oh, mm -hmm. so you? I'll describe what I like. Like, oh, you like an antihero? Like Batman's an antihero? And I was like, why? Because he's, no, he's not, not. Goody Two Shoes Superman, like you described him. It's he is yeah. a deeply wounded person yeah. who is using every resource he has, all of his willpower, to stop other people from suffering. Yeah, and he's and he's. How is he anti-anything? I mean, we're, we're on his side. He's complicated, but he, we're on his side. We're rooting for him. If we're not, we got a problem. All right, what about Walter White? Breaking Bad. Yeah, what about Walter White? So that's a great, is he an anti-hero? I don't know, who cares? He's To me, he's a guy who's dying in the pilot episode. He's dying. He's gonna. He's he's a teacher, so he doesn't have any money. What is he gonna leave his family when he's gone? He's gotta come up with money fast. And the only way he knows how to do that fast is by capitalizing on his skill set which is he's a chemistry teacher so he can he can make meth in a lab does that make him an anti-hero i to me he's just a hero well and, a the, and then you find out that he gave up tremendous wealth because that was like he had that partnership at that company yeah. right where he had the ability to just multi-millions of dollars and he's a public school chemistry teacher yeah yeah so it's those layers of decisions and regret. It's exploring the human condition, definitely just. And why are we rooting for him? We're rooting for this meek man who's going to die soon to make some money for his family, but also to feel like he's alive for the first time in his life because he's just led this very meek existence. And so that's why we're rooting for him. That's why we like him. And when he makes mistakes, 
you know, he may go off track, but we hope he comes back. We're still rooting for him. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, great. Chad, back again, Chad. How right, deep Chad. should someone go in developing a film or television character knowing that the director, actor, and the show's evolution will shape their personality? Yeah, I mean, you should go deep enough to get their interest so that they want to buy your your work or work with you. But just know, that's that's the thing about film. The minute you sign up for a film or you sell your film, the director's in charge. They're the boss. It's their movie. They might fire you. They're going to probably hire, hire five other writers to rewrite the hell out of you. You may not even get screen credit because it, that'll be arbitrated by the Writers Guild, which writer did the most work on it. And so you should do as much possible as work possible to, to entice people to to get on board your project. But once, you know, once they, they get on board, it's you're out. Mm. Except in TV, it's a little different. TV, the writer is the boss. Yeah. Not the director. Yeah. And the actor needs to play that role, right? You, you gotta, yeah. you've gotta entice them with your writing. Yeah. Right. And then good for you, man. Congratulations. You can cry about it and wipe your tears with hundred dollar bills. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. <laughs> you know, or, or write something, write a book. If that's, if you're so protective then do it your way, write a book. Like me. Like me. Like me, like my paper orchestra. Available at michaeljama.com or Amazon or Barnes & Nobles or Apple Books or anywhere books are found. And now back to our show, Phil. Excellent. Commercial Uh, break. Kwaku Ghana, I'm so sorry. I did not get that right. How would you go about creating a character who is far removed from your life? For example, based on a myth or a legend. Hmm. And it seems like there's a two-parter here, so maybe... How would I go about? Well, what's the second part? Uh, Or is it so unrelated? And advice for generating side characters: how to get the balance right between. So, oh, that part I could teach in the course the side characters. But how do I go about creating characters that are? What was the first that were mythical or something? If if you have characters are so far removed from who you are, oh, and and I'm assuming this is like the job or the thing they do, not necessarily the difference in who they are, right? Because they're saying like myth, like myth or legendary heroes. Yeah, well, I would say try to research, do some research. If you're not modeling it after someone you know, if you know a psychopath, you know, get to know them and try to figure out, steal from them yeah. or a family member or someone you know. And if you don't, then it's on you to do a lot of research. Then you're going to have to get books on people who, you know, yeah. you want to be authentic. You don't want to, that, that's part of your job is the research part. Yeah. And I prefer to steal. I prefer to steal from people I know. There you go. That's why yeah. all of his, all of his, crazy characters named Phil Hudson. I couldn't figure it out. But mm. um, This ties back to David S. Goyer's comment about the Man of Steel movie that he wrote. And okay. he asked, like, what's the theme? He's like, it's about fathers. And it's like Superman has an Earth father, but he has this other father. And this it's literally dealing with your father relationships. And then the second mm-hmm. one is about mothers, and it's Batman and Superman dealing with this both of their mothers are Martha and they're struggling. And and so there's this balance even of like, we all know what it's like. Like you can even jump to like Iron Man in Civil War when they're fighting mm-hmm. and he's like fighting because he finds out this other character killed his mom and Captain America is trying to stop him. And he goes, he killed my mom. And it's like, you can't mm-hmm. be mad at Iron Man for wanting to fight this guy who's been his ally because he killed yeah. his mom, even if the guy doesn't remember doing it. Right, yeah. he killed your mom. So that's all super heightened, like superhero things. But it, what I'm trying to get to is, there's human humanity in every character, and your life experience, mining your life for stories, like Michael teaches. Yeah. That's how you do that. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, Kim wants to know, what about inner conflict, like being raised strictly religiously and discovering the joys of secular humanism and the transition from the medieval mindset to Renaissance? Well, you're probably a better person to answer than me. Yeah. Um, So this feels like very specific to like a type of story that they're writing. Um, Mm -hmm. But when we talk about like internal conflict, this is something I struggle with because as someone who's religious and been raised religious, I'm not anti-religious. I'm still very active in my faith. And there are a lot of people who are very interested in what it means to be a Mormon, to be a Latter-day Saint. Mm -hmm. And I've struggled with how to approach that type of story. You've been telling me to write that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I've struggled because I don't want to be preachy and I don't want to tear down my faith. Yes. And, then, and then I did find a balance. And that balance is, let me just take a step back and look at all of the characters that I grew up with in this secular religion. Mm-hmm. And what is so intriguing about the the mommy blogger, the multi-level marketer, the jock has been who's now a real estate or the guy who went on to sell summer sales and has so much money, but zero personality. And then yeah. put some interesting character struggling with their faith in the middle of that so you can explore. Because these are all characters that you grew up with in your faith. I know like all, the all of these but people. Do you think Mormonism has something, like do you, do you think there's a trait in Mormonism that applies to M multi-level marketing or something? Like, I do, yeah. It's, it, there's no better networked religion, I think, than the LDS faith. You go, you're, everything's divided geographically. You have... 10 congregations that are geographically divided in what we call a stake. Then you have wards, which is literally a term that define a geographical area. So your neighbors mm-hmm. all go to church with you. You do this, you know, everybody, you know, their name, you're encouraged to know their families and take, look after them and take care of them. And this is like pioneer heritage. This is a mm-hmm. religion that was chased out of city after city, a Mormon extermination order made it legal to kill us in Missouri. And it wasn't built till the 1960s or seventies. Like, Mm-hmm. They circle the wagons mentality of like pilgrims or, or pioneers and they are they still treat it that way and so you know present yourself nicely taken to an extreme is have perfect teeth go to the gym for three hours a day um wear nice clothes live above your means keep up with the joneses really and it's like i totally see that because i didn't grow up in that type of family, see, that's, in that religion. that's interesting to me. I see that's yeah. see, but you feel like if you were to write that, you no, be no, tearing. now I'm saying I know how to do that and I do mm-hmm. know how to explore it because I'm not making fun of the religion necessarily or my theology. I am doing something it's that's always been interesting. It's the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy yeah. of it. And there's a lot of that. It's you know, befriend everybody, but don't, uh, but don't play with those kids because they don't go to church. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's well. If, if Jesus said we should love our neighbor as ourselves, then why are we not playing with a kid who's, you know, just moved here from South Dakota? Right. Yeah. You know, right. So there's all those things. So what I would say advice is you need to look at what is interesting and what's your personal feelings about those things. And I left Utah because I didn't like necessarily the culture. It wasn't about the religion that was right. prominent there. It was the culture of the people. And that is something I have a lot of opinion about. So why am I not writing about that? Yeah, right. Good. So good. You'll be getting a draft within the next month or so from Michael. Good. Good. Send it along. You are listening to What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? Today's episode is brought to you by my new book, A Paper Orchestra, A Collection of True Stories. John Mayer says it's fantastic. It's multi-timbral. It runs all levels of the pyramid at the same time. His knockout punches are stinging sincerity. 
And Kirkus Review says, those who appreciate the power of simple stories to tell us about human nature or who are bewitched by a storyteller who has mastered his craft will find a delightful collection of vignettes, a lovely anthology that strikes a perfect balance between humor and poignancy. So, you know, my podcast is is not advertiser-supported. I'm not running ads here. So if you'd like to support me or the podcast, come check out my book. Go get it an ebook or a paperback. Or if you really want to treat yourself, check out the audiobook. Go to michaeljammon.com slash book. And now back to our show. Uh, John wants to know, so if you choose the worst person to go on the journey, does that mean you came up with the scenario or premise uh, or actual journey first? Because this this goes back to your, yeah. in this in this episode or this webinar, you said um, it's not about finding the perfect character. It's finding the, yeah. and then you, you I, I want to let people watch that webinar so yeah. they can get this thing here. Yeah, the question basically is which comes first, character or or, or, journey, or the story, and I, I to me it's it's the, it's the story. Like if you most people say, oh well, I'm writing a movie about a guy who uh, whatever uh, comes back from the war with post traumatic stress syndrome and now has to integrate into the real world. Okay, so okay, this, that's the story. So now you have to go, who's the character? Like what's the what's the best character for that story? You know, is he a, is he a, a was he like a, a, a seal, a Navy seal, or was he like one of these, you know, accountant pencil, pencil pushers? Like he might've been a, a, a grill cook or something. Yeah. And I didn't sign up for this. And now he's coming back to the real world with PTSD because the bomb went off or something. So, you know, that might be more interesting than a seal. You yeah. know, I don't know, but, but that's, but, but you came up with the story first. Oh, can you imagine like you have legitimate PTSD and there's stories from like even world war two. It's like, you know, things are bad when the chef is loading their pistol. Like when the cook is loading it, they yeah. advance so far across the line that the cooking staff are now preparing to defend themselves. That's yeah. a problem. So you imagine that guy comes yeah. back and he's like in like a support group and he's like, yeah, I'm just struggling. And people are talking about like, we, we dropped in, we night roped, fast roped in at night to get this guy and an IED went off. And this guy is like, well, yeah, we like, our position was overrun. It's like, and what did you do? I was like, I was a cook. And yeah. It's just like, it diminishes your PTSD, but it shouldn't. But it's like, no, that's but fascinating. It, 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 yeah, it's more like yeah. You might go into the army because you want to become a dentist, and the, the army will pay you to become a you know learn how to become a dentist. But you're not signing up to to carry a pistol. You're signing up to drill teeth. Yeah. And so if and somehow if you got PTSD, if you know like you're saying so your position was uh, your base was overrun or a bomb went off or whatever, uh, this is not what I signed up for. You yeah. know, and that might be interesting. Very interesting. I I want to hear. I want to see that story. So yeah. All right, four eyes concepts. Can a non-human character be relatable? Can a non-human character be relatable? Well, it, it, they should be relatable. We watch the movie Cars. It's about cars, but it's really, they're not. They're not cars. They're people who drawn to look like cars. Yeah. I mean, we talked about data. You know, data from Star Trek, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It should. Everything should be. You're. No one wants to care about a car. Wally. <laughs> you know, Wally. Exactly. All those are short circuit. Smurfs. Yeah, they're people just drawing. John, Johnny back. Five is alive, man. Yeah. yeah, so they're not they're not cars or or toys. They're people. Yeah, awesome. So it's a craft section. Let's talk uh, questions related to the topic and course. Uh, Jim Garcia wants to know how would you approach a true story? Someone just, he, they just got the IP, so it sounds like they've mm -hmm. optioned it for a CIA badass who did badass things. Would you focus on areas of his life where he isn't such a badass? His complicated backstory. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I, I always, to me, it's much 
it's much more interesting to write about someone's weaknesses than it is to write about their strengths. And so, yeah, um, that's exactly right. What, what, what's his, what's his problems? What are his weaknesses? That's what I would write about. Yeah. What was that movie you told me to review with Bob Odenkirk where he was like, from? Oh, what was it called again? Um, I liked it. I can see the poster. Yeah. Getting punched. Um, yeah. It'll come to me in a second, but that was an example of someone who just seems like a normal, regular, you know, paper pusher. Mm -hmm. And then you find out he's got this rich backstory, but it's him struggling to get back there. He's not good at it at first. Yeah. He's like getting his butt kicked. Um, yeah, I like that movie. Yeah. It'll come to, the name will come to me in a second. Uh, TJ wants to know when does a scene end or when should you end a scene? It's probably a better question. I, I teach this in a course in big greater detail, but the scene ends when the character, when the, when the character's attitude is no longer the same as it was at the beginning of the scene. And that's, that's when the scene is over when the character. So for example, um, you know, uh, I, well, I gotta think I, now I'm gonna put it on the spot. I can't think of a, you know, but it's basically a character gets some piece of information and they go, Oh, I, I gotta go. I gotta go apologize to her or, Oh, that does it. I gotta rob a bank. You know, it's, it's like now their, their attitude has shifted. This yeah. is slightly different. It was in the beginning. And this is a mistake that most new writers make is like the, the scenes, continues long after the character they're continuing to write even though the scene ended 10 minutes ago right. so that you know when the character's attitude is different has shifted your scene is over yeah great uh rakevid wants to know is story structure pretty much the same worldwide with the exception of cultural differences i believe so i mean stories what difference is what difference does it does the language make and and to be honest i am interested in stories from other cultures because uh, look we all have love we all love doesn't change from culture to culture uh you know this culture you may have arranged marriage in this culture you don't have arranged marriage or in this culture a marriage ceremony might look different than this culture's marriage ceremony but love is love and so you're just writing about the same thing it's it's um and and, and i appreciate the window into your world because you have a different culture but we're all humans. We all share the same human emotions. Yeah. And so that's where people get hung up. It's like, no, you know, yeah, it's the same. It, we're all the same. Yeah. I met this kid here who's uh, from Iran uh, here in Los Angeles and we were chatting and I had the opportunity in film school and at Sundance to catch several Iranian films by this Iranian filmmaker and a couple of his mm -hmm. cohorts. And he was so impressed by that because I was able to talk about the story structure of these films and, What's interesting is how they have to navigate the politics of a government that funds oh, everything, but also yeah. censors everything mm -hmm. and how you have to use, you know, show, don't tell and speaking indirectly to get across your message that kind of yeah. is, anti is political and anti-government, but have the government fund it and think you're being doing good work for them. Um, <laughs> the other, yeah. but it's story is what connects and carries through. And the other great film everyone should check out from 2013 is called The Lunchbox. And it's uh, this beautiful film I saw at Sundance. And uh, it's just, it ties in culture so beautifully to how we approach yeah. story. I would absolutely check that one out. Okay. So, uh, David wants to know, how can you add to the skeleton of a good character? Like if you have the basis for a compelling character story, but you feel you need to add more to make your character real. Yeah. that One of the things I have in the course is a whole worksheet. It's a, it's a it's chart a game, that you need to fill. changer. 
Yeah, it's a chart that you need. So you come that you have to fill out a bunch of questions that you have to ask yourself about this character. And filling out this chart will really help you flesh out your character in a way you couldn't even imagine. And then you there's other characters in this chart, and then you have to say like, okay, how does this characteristic match? How do these characters interact? That's mm-hmm. another question. And so all of that, if you're really interested, go, go sign up for my course at michaeljammon.com slash course. Yeah. You quickly learn that you're painting all of your characters to be mirrors of each other because you want to talk about that thing. And then yeah. it highlights how you can make all of those interactions more beautiful and more interesting, more conflict to just really in- yeah. improve your story. You got that from yeah. somebody. You, you want to say who you got that from? Yeah, was, uh, I learned that from Steve Levitan, who I worked under Just Shoot Me. Uh, so much of the knowledge that I teach in this course is just from sitting at the feet of writers who are more experienced than I I was. So. Yeah, do you have your notebook? Here's a, I don't know if you want I to show my notebook. people. Every once in a while we take this down. Yeah, so this is something we, we bring up in the webinars often, we even give away a free PDF based on this notebook called yeah. The Insider's Guide to Termino- Terminology. But that's your notes in your career of writing, just writing stuff down from conversations, right? Yeah, just exactly. I, I would work with other writers and they'd say something smart and I'd jot into my notebook. And then when I made the course a couple of years ago, I just referred to my notebook. I go, this is what I want to teach. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, this is Christina uh, in our course. And this isn't really a question, but um, Kevin, who prepped this for me, left it in. It says, in Michael's course, I learned how to figure out once and for all those act breaks that were a real headache for me before. Story structure mm-hmm. is so well explained, it becomes much easier after. And Yeah, she's I, had a good, a lot of success, Christina. I was about she's to say, well. she's, she's taken her life, mined it for all these rich stories, and she's like written, I think, books and then now plays, and those plays are being performed and yeah. touring. So yeah, not and, bad. And she credits you for helping her break figure out how to break the story, but yeah. you didn't tell her what life to live and her experience or how to paint the story you said yeah this is how you tell a your story and she did that yeah so, yeah right yeah, yeah good for her awesome we have one question on breaking in as uh, from new legend legend pictures i've been wondering about writing for a foreign audience for example i'd like to write something in the vein of korean dramas i know there's probably no way to break it into the u.s market writing a korean drama yeah just writing for other things specifically a korean drama well, what's the? What, I'm, are they Korean or are they American? I, I don't Sound, know. Sounds to me it's because it says a foreign audience. Sounds to me like yeah. this is someone who really enjoys Korean dramas and wants oh, to take okay. a stab at writing one. Oh, I see. I don't know anything about Korean dramas. I think he was saying is like, is that oh. worth doing to try to break in? Is that a good sample? I, I would assume. I, you know, if, you, if that's your culture and and you can write something. Like I said, it doesn't. You can write a story that I, it could be, I could have a window into your culture. That's interesting to me to see what that's about. But at the end of the day, you still experience love the way I do. You know, it's the same. So uh, sure, right. If that's your culture, right. And you you understand the Korean culture better than, because you're Korean. Yeah, lean into it. Lean what into if, it. What if you're not Korean and you just like K-dramas? Then, then, then you're in dangerous territory because someone might say, what do you know you're talking about? Or, you know, people might have a problem with you. You know, I, I don't want to debate whether it's right or wrong, but sure. you may run into trouble with that. I, yeah, I, I would think that if you want to just write it to get it out of your system and it helps you improve your craft, great. But be yeah. tread lightly, right? Um, next, do most shows have, this is the same, same person, do most shows have each episode have their own full story arc or is it the whole season or the series or both? Well, every 
your every episode has to have a complete story. I mean, and then you may have a, a longer, a long a story arc. This character is going back to college for the first time, but that one episode has to feel fulfilling. It it's has community. to feel like, yeah, okay. And that there has to be a story in that episode. Or if there isn't, if it's not a complete story, people are going to be bored by it. And then the next episode, you're taking that journey a little further. But you know, this is a question whether you want to serialize or or your your um you know, your project or not. But again, it, you don't need to worry about any of this. You need to write one complete, compelling episode of television. You don't need to worry about seasons two, uh, episodes two through 10. How about just, just give me one damn good episode. Give me the pilot. That's all I need. Yeah. Ruth wants to know, say your agent is into a spec script, but you want to pursue it. Can you try to pitch it yourself? How bound are you to what you, your agent wants? I wonder if they're talking about me or themselves. I think, I think what they're saying is like, hey, I, I have an agent and I've got the spec script. It's a film. And my agent says he's not into it. Can I go pitch it myself or do I have to listen to my agent? No, you can do whatever you want. I mean, but uh, don't expect your agent to help you with that. You, if, if you want to go for it, they can't stop you. Uh, go for it. I mean, you know, the, the agent's trying to help you. And if they feel like they're helping you, you know, they're going to give you their best advice. But if you don't want to, if you don't want to take it, don't take it. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with Dead Mouse, and he said that there was a track that he wasn't really into, and his tour manager was like, dude, this is great. you got to drop it. And he didn't want to do it. And for months and months, he didn't. And the kept tour manager kept saying, when are you going to drop it? And he ran out of stuff. He dropped it. It's his biggest hit. Sometimes <laughs> you don't even know what you want, what is good yeah. for you. But vice versa, sometimes other people don't know what's good for you. And yeah. it's all... It's all risks, risk and reward. William, go for it. Yeah. Um, David Cook is Amadeus. Amadeus is, I think, something that came up in the webinar. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, my, my wife's favorite film. Is, oh. I think I told you she wants me to name one of our kids Wolfgang. And yeah. I was like, no. And you're like, I might be on her side. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfie. That's what she wants to call him. She wants to name Wolfgang to call him Wolfie. So I think yeah. it's just whatever. Is Amadeus a, a story about an extraordinary person in an ordinary world or about Salieri, an ordinary person in the extraordinary world of Amadeus? That, that's it's so interesting. I mean, they're really, it's, it really is a story within a story. Mm -hmm. And you keep popping back out to uh, Salieri in present time. Why did he go mad? Because, and so you keep, pop, yeah, it's a story within a story. There's really two stories. You're watching... Salieri's descent into, yeah. <laughs> into madness because this um you know he killed this 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 beautiful creature. Why did he do it? Yeah, yeah. So who's the hero of that? Uh, I mean, well, it's called Amadeus. It is called Amadeus. Yeah, right. right. So this is like so, Sicario. Did you ever see Sicario? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. So who's it about? Is it about Emily Blunt or is it about Benicio del Toro? Yeah. And, and right. I think it wasn't until I got about three quarters of the way through, I was like, oh. We started yeah. on Emily Blunt, but that is not the protagonist. It's just a, I mean, it's really just a framing device, mm -hmm. the Salieri part of it. Because uh, you're really, you know, who, yeah, who's got 90% of the screen time? Yep. Amadeus. So, yep. All right. Marla wants to know hat on a hat, new favorite mm -hmm. saying. If you yeah. basically, do you want to tell people what that is? We often say, when you refer to a joke, sometimes you put a punchline on top of the punchline. And so we say it's a hat on a hat. Yeah. If you like that, come to the webinar where we can give out that book based on the free ebook based on Michael's notebook, Insider yeah. Guide to, to Writing 
terminology. Oh, that's one. Yeah, you can get, there's a bunch of terms that we give away. If you yeah. want to learn what they are, come to these webinars and we give them away. Yeah, everybody gets that for just coming. Yeah. So I had not had new favorite. If you base a character on someone in your life or someone in your life recognizes themselves in your writing, can they sue you? I don't know. I don't give legal advice, uh, but I will say you're protected. If you don't, if you change their name, I would assume you can change their name. You could change their occupation. You could hide who they are. And if they were to come out, they're, just, they're essentially calling themselves out. Yeah. Uh, why would they, you know, why would they be dumb enough to do that? But I, I'm not worried about it, but uh, I don't give legal advice. So, yeah, I think that the person that will need to worry about that is the studio that buys it and it becomes so wildly successful. That person has a financial incentive to sue you. I don't think it's necessarily yeah. something you need to worry about on a spec. I would hope not. Yeah. Uh, Ruth W., what criteria do you consider when taking a job? Early in your career, you worked for both Steve Levitan and Greg Daniels. But then you didn't work on Modern Family or The Office. Why? Right. Oh, Shots I wasn't fired. offered jobs on Shots <laughs> I wasn't fired, offered, Michael. I wasn't offered jobs on those. But the, I mean, I was also, I had, I also had a job. So when Modern Family came out that season, I remember actually meeting with Steve and my partner and I already had a job on, we were running a show called Glenn Martin. So it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like we were trying to get that job. Uh, I don't remember what the office was doing, but I'm sure I also had, I've worked every year. I'm sure I also had a job at the time. So um, a lot of times, and, and by the way, I've missed out on opportunities. I've missed out on shows that were really big simply because I already had a job, you know? And when the show, you don't, it's not like you know this is show is gonna be a giant hit. You, you don't know this, you know? Even a great show, could be a flop. So and Glenn Martin, that was the first time show running, right? For you and Steve? Yeah, it was our first time show running, and I was very happy to be running a show. I was, I was like, oh good. This I've never done it before. So it was exciting and, and I'm glad I did it. But uh yeah. I would have made a lot more money had I had I been on Modern Family for sure. Awesome. Follow-up question. When you get to a higher level of writer, say co-producer, do you still need to submit a script to the showrunner or is hiring based on your interview and past TV work you've done? Oh no! You, you almost always you have to be read. You need a writing sample, and you, it has to be a current writing sample, and it has to be good. You're you're never done writing for free in Hollywood. You're always writing. Yeah, Derek Nyberg. What if the audience can't differentiate between fiction and reality, and carries those powerful story themes into the voting booth? Does this explain why the worst of all possible characters are now elected officials walking around the Capitol building in Washington? Does this explain society's addiction to conflict? I don't think the two have anything to do with each other. Just to be clear, I you know, I don't think. I think you're giving us way too much credit that uh, the characters we create somehow become political figures. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I, don't. I think that's like asking was uh, Shakespeare's success with Caesar, with Julius Caesar, or with you know King Richard the Third, or any of these other things he done was that successful because. Um, he wrote them as story and then that led to other people being crazy or is it because he was writing about the the reality of these people? Yeah, yeah. Like life imitates I mean, art, art imitates life. Right? It's, it's chicken Yeah, you, it goes in both directions. But but basically, like you take a show like um, uh, the one with Julie Louis-Dreyfus, uh, come on. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, the political. <laughs> sorry, uh, <laughs> Veep. Veep. Veep, yes. Yeah, sorry. Like that show would not have been made if there were or if there already weren't people in politics acting like jackasses. Yeah. Because you wouldn't believe you couldn't sell the show. You would you'd be like, I don't buy that any elected official could be that freaking stupid. 
but because it was already out there, you see it. Now you can sell a show on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. And this is a comment, not a question, but I thought this was a good way to end this. Breveris wants to know, I'm an aspiring screenwriter from India and the knowledge you share on your Instagram helped me get my first internship. Always look Great. forward to developing my, developing my skill set further. Thank you. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. And that's someone who's not only in your social media, but the webinars. And, and that's a reminder to everybody to come to the webinars. They're free. We do them very regularly. And yeah. there's always something to learn in those. Yeah. That's it. This is a short one. But thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Once again, this episode is brought to you by A Paper Orchestra, my debut collection of personal essays. Available, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it anywhere you want. Uh, Barnes and Noble. Signed, co signed copies at michaeljammon.com. If you want to get it from me directly, I'll sign it for you. And that's it. At Michael, yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for your questions. Until next time. Keep Until reading. Time. Keep reading. Keep reading it's my book. And then Read the book. Okay, everyone. <laughs> Wow, I did it again. Another fantastic episode of What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? How do I do it week after week? Well, I, I don't do it with advertiser-supported money. I tell you how I do it. I do it uh, with my book. If you'd like to support the show, if you'd like to support me, go check out my new book, A Paper Orchestra. It asks the question, what if it's the smallest, almost forgotten moments that are the ones that shape us most? Laura Sanjagoma says, good storytelling also leads us to ourselves, our memories, our beliefs, personal and powerful. I loved the journey. And Max Muchnick, who was on my show, says, as the father of daughters, I found Michael's understanding of parenting and the human condition to be spot on. This book is a fantastic read. Go check it out for yourself. Go to michaeljammon.com slash book. Thank you all and stay tuned. More great stuff coming next week.